How's everyone doing that's already here? <laughs> Good. Well, I just want you to know the AC was broke in this room last service, so you guys are the winners for the day. All right. You guys ready to worship? All right. Let's stand. Let's do it. Here we go. The lamb that was 
You know it, sing it out. I'm no longer a slave to fear. No, no, I am. 
child of God And I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Split the sea, sing Everybody said about that. So good. Thank you, Lord. Starts burning 
And nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. We worship you. That's what we've come to do, Lord. Tell them, guys, we love you. so much this morning. God, we thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. God, we thank you for bringing us here, Lord. We thank you for the help that we have to stand and sit in this place and worship you. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would seek each and every one of us out, Lord, in a new way. God, that you would touch our hearts. God, that you would make our hearts, God, just, Lord, one, burn for you, and two, just to be so open to who you are and what you want to do in us. God, you are so good. Lord, we thank you for the love that you give us, God, that is 
Lord, it's just crazy. It doesn't make any sense at all. And so, God, we just want to say thank you for that. God, we just want to reflect on who you are today and give you our very best. Lord, I know there's folks in this place, God, that don't know you, and that's okay. There's folks in this place, God, that have known you all their lives, and a lot of us in the middle, Lord, that are walking, Lord, and all of us, God, just want to be more like you today when we leave here than we are right now. So, God, just speak to our hearts, God, today. Thank you for being so, so good. What do you think, guys? Is he good? He's good. Bless you, Lord.
raise your hand if you know that God loves you. Awesome. All right, kiddos in the room, my friends. I'm going to sit in these two rows, and Miss Jessica and Mr. Rick are going to join us and sit in these two rows. And don't leave us hanging, so come down and sit with us, please. And then Miss Jenna's going to bring the word today. Well, good morning, church. Like Lindsay said, this morning is family worship, and we get to do family worship every couple. Don't be shy. Look at Lindsay sitting all by herself. How sad. I know there's kids in the room. You. I can tell you what to do because you're mine. Uh, <laughs> but we love family worship because it's a chance for the kids to come and, and see grown-ups worshiping. And to be in big church and to have fun uh, and to learn alongside different generations, which is so important for kids uh, in their spiritual journey. So it's fun to get to do this every couple of months. And so um, I just want to start with prayer, and then we're going to dig into what God has for us. So God, we just thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the beautiful sunshine. We thank you for an awesome summer break. God, we just pray over um, this school year that's going to start this week. We just ask your blessing over that. And we pray, God, that you would just use us in a mighty way, uh, that people would come to know you through us. And so we're just asking, God, we're asking that you be here with us this morning and just help us to learn more about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I was asking God what he wanted us to learn about this morning, and I, and I felt like he was leading me to something that, that's really important but before we get to it, I wanted to tell a story. It's a story that we all probably know. It's a story that um, is really familiar. You guys have been learning parts of this story in kids' church. And so, um, but it's really important. It's really foundational to, to where we're going to go today. So we're going to start with the story. Are we ready? Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was. He began to craft the earth and the sky, the, the land from the water and the sun and the moon and the stars. And then he, he created nature, all of the, the bushes and the trees and, and animals of all species. And then from the dust, he created a man named Adam. And after he had made Adam, he had him fall into a deep sleep, and he took from his side one of his ribs. And from that, he shaped another person, a woman who would be called Eve. Now, when God made them, we, we read that, that he made them to be like him. In Genesis 1.26, it says, God said, let us make people in our image to be like ourselves. So God's plan, his purpose for people we're, we're to be like him, to reflect him. And we know that, that to everything God had made, he said, it is good. Because everything God does, God's purpose is always good. It's always the best way. But then something happened. See, God had placed them in, in this place called Eden. And he, he had given them a little bit of boundaries to keep them safe. There was a tree that they were told to not eat from. It's kind of like if you guys are playing outside, your parents might say, don't go past the driveway or don't go past that bush because they know that past that, it could be dangerous. So they want you to stay in this, in this safe place. And so that's what God had done for Adam and Eve by saying, don't eat from this tree. But temptation took over and they did. And so sin entered the world. And as soon as sin entered the world, things just got messy. Almost immediately, Adam and Eve felt like they needed to hide themselves. They were afraid. They started blaming each other, and they started being angry and just feeling hopeless. And then they had kids, and, and they had two brothers, and one got so mad that he actually killed his brother. Like, things were getting messy. The world was getting messy. And in fact, the world had, was becoming to a point where they looked more like sin than like God. And so time goes by, and God says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a group of people that will be my people. And they will worship me, and they will learn from me, and they'll, they'll relearn what it means 
to be like me, to reflect me, to, to, to be my people. Because when they start to live and act this way, then the rest of the world is going to notice. They're going to notice something different about them, and they'll come to know me too. And so that was God's plan, and he did that through a man named Abraham. But God's people continued to look more like the rest of the world than to be set apart and to look different. And so time goes on, and and sin just continues to, to take hold of people, and God's people end up being slaves in a place called Egypt. And they're slaves there for like 400 years. So really, they had completely forgotten what it meant to be God's people. They, they didn't really know what it meant to be like God. And so God comes, and through a man named Moses, he, he frees his people out of Egypt. He says, okay, I'm going to give my people a restart. And so he frees them out of Egypt. And you might remember, he split the Red Sea so that they could walk through Because that's what God does. He does remarkable things in order to get his people free. And so he gets his people free out of Egypt, and then they kind of regroup. They have this restart. And he says to them through Moses, he reminds them of their purpose. He reminds them who they are supposed to be. And so we read in Exodus 19.6 that he said to Moses that you are to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Okay, that's kind of confusing. Like if your mom and dad were to say, remember, I need you to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, you would not know what they were talking about, right? So let's just break it down for a minute. So priests were people that would, would talk to God and, and, and come to God and then go to the people and, and teach them and show them about God. And so he's saying, I need you to be this this, this kingdom of priests that are coming to me and learning from me and worshiping me so that you can go and tell and show the rest of the world. And then he says to be a holy nation. So a nation is like, like a group of people. And for something to be holy is for it to be set apart, to be, to be special, to be an example of the way things should be. And so really what God is saying is, okay, Sin has come, and it has made a mess of things. And people are confused. And they're, they're letting sin just run their lives. And it makes me sad because I know that when they live like this, they're broken. And they do things that hurt themselves and hurt other people. And, and they feel overwhelmed. And it's, it's not good. That's not my purpose. That's not why I made you guys. I made you all to, to be full of life, to be full of joy, and to have hope, and, and to be confident. And so what I need from from you, my people, is I need you to remember who I am. And I need you to to be like me, to reflect me to the rest of the world so that they will see me through you. And so God's people had this, this job, this role to play. But time went on and they continued to look more like the world than like God. And he needed them to look different. He needed them to live the way he intended them to live. And so I, I just want to show you this, see if it helps. So I've got this Mr. Potato Head. Does that look right? No. This guy's a mess. I mean, he's got his hand where his mouth should be, which means he probably uses his words to hurt people. He's got his feet where his nose should be, which probably stinks, Uh, but maybe he's letting dirty things in. He's got his his eyes where his head is, which means he might be looking at things that are are impacting the way he thinks, or or maybe he's he's not viewing the world the way God sees it, and so it's, it's affecting his mind. And then he's got tongues for his ears which probably means that he doesn't do a whole lot of listening. He just does a lot of talking. Maybe he doesn't really care what anyone else has to say because he has all the answers. I mean, we look at this guy and we think, clearly, this is not the way it's supposed to be. It, it's, it's silly. But I think that this is what we look like when we don't live the way God intended us to live. We are a mess 
We feel overwhelmed. We look in the mirror and, and think, this isn't right. There's something wrong with me. And then we might feel shame or we might let it turn to anger, whatever it may be. This is not the way God created us to live. And then we have this guy. This is right. Everything's where it's supposed to be. He's got, look how happy he is. He's got his mouth right where it needs to be so that he can speak words of life. He, he's got his eyes right where they need to be so he can be looking for the needs around him. And he's got his hands where they need to be so he can help people that are in need. He's got his feet planted, ready to go where God wants him to go. When we, when we look like this, people that look and feel like this notice. And they think, I want to be like that. I want that peace. I want that confidence. I want that joy. They're, they're drawn to us when we live and look and talk the way God made us to. Because remember, everything that God makes is good. It's the way it's supposed to be. And so people are drawn to that. And so it's important that we don't look and act and talk like the rest of the world. But instead, we look and act and talk the way God intended us to. Because when people look at us, they think certain things. It's just the reality. It's how our brains work. We have these compartments, then we store things. And so when people think about us, they think certain things. So let's just play a little game, okay? So when you see this guy, what do you think? Sad. You're sad and depressed and always something's wrong. That's what we think of when we think of Eeyore. How about this guy? He's bad. He's evil. He's on the dark side. You can't trust him. Okay, next one. Nemo. You know what I think when I think of Nemo? I think of brave. Nemo was so brave. He touched the butt. That took courage, right? Okay, next one. It's Woody. Woody's my favorite. When I think of Woody, I think of a good friend. Woody would do anything for his friends, right? See, we think certain things about these characters because of the way that they acted or the things that they said and, and the person that they were. And the reality is that people think certain things when they think about us. So let's just take a minute and ask the question. Kids, we'll start with you. When people think about you, what do you think that they think? Would they think, oh, that kid is so kind. They always include people on, at recess. They're, they're such a good listener. They always help the teacher. They make me feel so loved. They say encouraging words. Or would people say, that kid is grumpy all the time, super disrespectful to the teacher, really mean to kids on the playground. Think about what would people say? And grown-ups, we're not off the hook here. What would people think when they think about you? Do they think, that person is so full of joy? That person has gone through some, some hard things, but man, their faith is unshakable. It's inspiring. Man, that person, you can always count on them. They're so dependable, such a good friend. People think certain things when they think of us. And God knew that he made us that way, which is why he created us to be different and called us to be different so that they will see him through us. It's important to think about and to consider what we are communicating to people. Okay, so God had freed his people out of Egypt. He'd given them this restart and given them these instructions, reminded them of their purpose, and time goes on, and still, they look just like the rest of the world. They're living just like the rest of the world. They are not living as this people set apart, looking different, looking like God. 
drawing the world back into relationship with God. And so God says, okay, I'm going to come down and I'm going to show you. So he comes through Jesus and he comes down and he lives as a person just like you and me. And he lives and he goes through all of the things that we go through as people. And he shows us and gives us the example of of what it looks like for a person to be like God, to reflect God, to to live in God's likeness. And Jesus was, was kind. He was looking, constantly looking for people who needed to hear about hope, who needed love. He he did not let fear grip him. He believed confidently in God. He prayed all the time. He stood confidently against the enemy because he knew the authority that he had. He spoke truth and love. And his mission was God's mission. And so Jesus comes and and he shows us, this is what God's talking about. This is what he's asking of you, to live like him, to reflect him. And so all we have to do is look at the life of Jesus to understand what God's calling us to. In fact, in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 6, the Apostle Paul taught us, he said, in your lives, you must think and act like Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything. All we have to do is live like Jesus. And it's really important that we do. Because the reality is that there are a lot of people in this world that have the wrong idea of Jesus. There are so many people who claim to follow Jesus, but do not act like it. They don't, they don't live under the, the authority of freedom. They're, they're not filled with joy. They're gripped by fear. They're not loving. And so it confuses people. When we don't reflect Jesus truly in the way that we live, it confuses people. In fact, there's an author, very well known, his name's C.S. Lewis. And in one of his books, he says, When we Christians behave badly or fail to behave well, we are making Christianity unbelievable to the outside world. I mean, we might say that, that Jesus' death and resurrection set you, set you up for a life of freedom, that, that through Jesus you can live a life of freedom. But then we continue to live under these lies and these strongholds. We might say that our God is a miracle-working God. He is a God of the impossible. And then when difficult things come, we get gripped by fear. We don't actually claim it to be true in our lives. And we might say that Jesus died on the cross for everybody. But then we decide who's worthy of our time, our compassion, our grace. See, our lives are not reflecting Jesus. And so it makes it confusing to people, and a lot of people choose to reject Jesus because of it. My husband and I have a friend who we've prayed for for a long time, and he doesn't follow Jesus. And the reason he doesn't follow Jesus is because he says, I work with too many Christians who say they go to church, say they're a Christian, and they're some of the worst people to work with. They're arrogant, prideful, they do sloppy work, they don't pay people on time. If that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And that makes me so sad. And if I'm honest, angry. Because here we are praying fervently for this guy. We love him. We want him to know who Jesus truly is. We want him to experience the freedom from from these things that we can see are owning his life. And meanwhile, there's Christians over here that are not taking this seriously. And they're, they're confusing Jesus for him. But it made me think, Who am I making Jesus confusing to that somebody else is praying for? Who am I praying for that other people, maybe even in this room, are making Jesus confusing? That's why it's so important that we as God's people take seriously our role of living like God, reflecting him to the world so that they can understand clearly 
who this Jesus is, that he does save, that there is freedom, that there is victory, that he has a life of fullness and purpose for us. Raise your hand if Jesus has done something good for you. It's real to us. So why why do we not wake up every day wanting everybody in our life to know about this? Why don't we live with it spilling out? Because it's hard. That's why. It's not easy to, to live full of joy all the time. Or, or claiming that faith in the moment. It's hard. It is so much easier to let our emotions lead us into places that just feel more comfortable in the moment. It's so much easier to feel justified when someone's mean to us, to be mean back to them, especially if it's like your brother or sister, somebody you're like really comfortable with. And then we end up just being rude. We end up being selfish. Because it's hard. It is not easy to live this way. And Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he told us that the thief, meaning Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, my purpose is to give you life in all its fullness. So people who don't have Jesus, it's no wonder that they feel hopeless and that they, they feel discouraged and they're owned by, by addictions, and they make bad choices because the enemy is stealing and killing and destroying their hope and their confidence. But we have Jesus, which means we have access to life in its fullness. So why then do we not look any different than the rest of the world? Why? I think... I think it's just because it's hard. It's hard to not feel depressed when that weight comes. Because the enemy is coming after us too. He's he's trying to steal and kill and destroy us. But we, as God's people, must claim what we know to be true. So that the rest of the world will see this hope. They will see this, this joy, this victory, this freedom that is true of this Jesus They have to see it active in us. So then how? How do we live this way? How do we be these people if it's so hard? Well, I have good news. The Bible tells us what we're supposed to do. And in fact, some of these kids might be able to answer it too. Raise your hand if you went to kids camp. Does anybody remember the verse from kids camp? God's power has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Second Peter 1, 3. This is what our kids learned about this summer at kids camp. See, God's power gives us everything we need to live this godly life. This is how awesome our God is. Yes, he says to us, I need you to be different. I need you to live set apart. I need you to reflect me. But he doesn't just say, now go, do. He sends us his spirit to help us. He gives us everything we need to be able to be these people. If we try to do it in our own strength, we're going to fail. We weren't made to do it that way. It's through his power his spirit that he gives us, that we become this sort of people. So, guys, when you're feeling grumpy or when you're having a rough day or you're being mean to your brother, your sister, maybe not listening to your teacher, whatever it may be, you can stop and you can say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Do you remember? Because when we call upon the Spirit of God, he comes to our rescue and he gives us what we need to have the power in that moment to overcome. We read in 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For the Spirit of God does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. God's power will give us what we need to be kind, 
so that the kids in your classroom see that you are loving and you are kind and you are a good listener and you're respectful. That's what the kids in your class need to see this year when you go to school. And your friends need to see that in you. But again, grown-ups, we're not off the hook. There are people in our lives that desperately need to see Jesus in you. They need to see you reflecting God so that they can see this hope. There are people whose marriages are brutal. Their kids are getting sucked into some dark things. They're getting diagnosis that give them no reason for hope. They have addictions that are destroying them. People are going through hard things. And we know, as God's people, that there is an answer. That through Jesus, we can live in victory. That through Jesus, there is hope. That he is our healer. We know all of these things. But if we don't look or act or respond any differently than everybody else, then they're never going to come to see and experience and be able to ask you, where does your hope come from? How are you so filled with joy? How do you remain so trusting when things are so hard? We have a job to play, or you might say, a role to play. So parents, we can say the same thing. In that moment when you're losing it on your kids, stop and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. When you're talking awful to your spouse, stop and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. When you're about to click on that app or pick up that bottle or whatever that weakness may be, stop and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. And his word tells us that his spirit will come and give us the power we need to be victorious in that moment, to to continue to grow. Now hear me. I am not asking you to be fake. God is not asking you to be fake. Because the reality is that when Jesus comes and does what Jesus does, in our life, transforms us, gives us that that hope in those impossible moments, gives us that, that peace, comes to our rescue, it should spill out in our lives. When Jesus genuinely comes and does a work in us, it will spill out around us. We won't be able to not tell people about this hope and this goodness. We will genuinely be filled with joy. And yes, this life is hard. And so there are going to be days where we have to choose joy. We have to choose faith. We have to choose to trust God. But guys, we have to choose to. Because there are people watching us. There are people who need to know who this Jesus really is. And so we have to take seriously this responsibility of being like God so that they can come to know him and experience relationship with him. We have the answer. We are not victims. We are God's precious creation living under his favor and blessing. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he set before us long ago. So we have to choose to not participate in that gossip. We have to choose to to enter into our workday going to be inspiring and encouraging and using words of life. We need to be people who show up. We need to be people who who claim faith and be vulnerable. Say, I'm scared, but I know that God's going to show up. People need to see a different way in us so that they will come to know this God that has transformed our lives. That is who God calls us to be. So guys, you are all going to start school this week, right? You're excited. Good. You have new classrooms, new teachers, new opportunities to show people Jesus through you. So what if this was the year that your teacher came to know Jesus because of what they saw in you? Or your friends come to trust in Jesus because of what they see in you? 
That is an awesome opportunity that we have as God's people. Adults, the same goes for us. Make this the year that, that your coworkers find hope because of what they see in you and they ask you about it. That, that your family members that you might be praying for actually come to know Jesus because they see him alive in you. We get an opportunity to be a part of what God is doing on this earth. And we get, we get to be a part of bringing people into this family that we are so treasured to be a part of. So the band's going to come out, and we're going we're gonna to sing a closing song. But before we do, I want all the grown-ups in the room to take your phone out. I know you have it. Take your phones out. And I want you to open your calendar app. And I want you to put two reminders in there. One on September 18th at 6 o'clock p.m. And then one on October 21st at 7.30 a.m. And just put in there self-check. Made in God's likeness. Because I think it's easy today to be like, yes, that's right. That's who we're called to be. I want to be more like that and go out. But remember, it's hard. And it's going to be really easy to fall back into these, these emotions or these, these feelings. And so I'm, I'm challenging you to put in these two reminders to just self-check. Because remember, our God is all about restarts. Giving his people a restart. And I put these in 6 o'clock p.m. for the first one. It's dinner time. And 7.30 a.m., probably on your way to school. Because I want you to ask your kids. Make this a family thing. Be honest and vulnerable with them. Ask them how they're doing so that we as God's people will become this power that God gives us to help people come to know this God. Deal? Okay, let's stand up and let's close in this song and just declare how good this God is.
that are starting in a couple of weeks. These freedom groups that Lindsay talked about are starting next week. This is how we, we intentionally allow God to come in and do that transforming work. So I encourage you to look in your worship guide, get into a growth group, sign up for a freedom group if you haven't, so that we can become these people that reflect God to the world. All right? All right, let me just pray for you. God, I just pray over every person in this room. God, would you empower us, embolden us to live confidently in your goodness, in your love, and in your freedom. God, may we wake up every day and take, take to heart what it means to be your people, to, to put our shoes on and, and just put the entire armor of God that we would go boldly for you to the people around us. I pray for every kid sitting in this place, God, would you just anoint them, use them this year in their classes with their teachers. God, just make this a year where people come to know you through the way that we live and reflect you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed. Have an awesome weekend.